You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Tommy is here. Aaron's here. I'm here. We got a lot to talk about. We got a baseball game tonight, wild card game tonight, which I'm actually really excited about. I love postseason baseball. Um, a lot of things to consider there. And we have just a little Redskins news for these 0-4 and, and floundering uh, Redskins. But, you know, the, the podcast follows for me my radio show. And sometimes during the radio show, I miss things or things come out shortly after the radio show. And you just made me aware of Joe Banner's tweet. Joe, of course, the longtime team president of the Philadelphia Eagles and of the Cleveland Browns. Joe's been on the podcast before, very interesting guest. And he tweeted out the following just an hour or so ago. I, by the way, I believe this is in response to Lewis Riddick and some of the people last yes, night leading into the Monday night game. That there's tor- an agenda at torching the Redskins yeah, for playing Haskins. Yeah, that they're trying to ruin Haskins. So Banner tweeted out, it's funny to watch all of the Haskins lovers now starting to claim that Haskins was actually great, but the skins ruined him. Half a dozen teams I respect had him in the third round or later, and 14 teams passed on him, plus none tried to trade up for him. Now it's the skin's fault. That from from uh, Joe Banner. Look, it's not new news to most of you, or to me, or to Tommy, that the Redskins football people did not think that Dwayne Haskins was worthy of the 15th pick in the first round. We we heard that multiple times at you know the night of the draft, the day after the draft, the days following the draft, that this was a Dan Snyder pick and that people weren't happy with it. People like Kyle Smith and the scouts who had worked all year long to put together this draft board, which they didn't have Haskins anywhere near the top half of the first round. Um, I've heard that they had Haskins more of a second-round guy, um, some have told me that maybe they would have reached for him in the late first round, you know, where they picked Sweat as an example when they trade, traded back up. Um, but the Dan Snyder came in and basically said, hey, nice job putting the board together. We're picking Haskins. And I've mentioned this many times um, going back to the draft, that if he had not been taken at that spot at 15 overall, it was possible, I don't know if it was likely, there perhaps would have been a team like the Chargers who would have said, you know what, let's pick him. He could be the quarterback of the future here, sit behind Phillip for for a year or two. But it's possible that he may not have been taken in the first round of that draft. Oh, it's very, very possible. So, you know, this is not new news, but this is Joe Banner, I think, swiping back at Lewis Riddick, which we will get to shortly along with Steve Young and Adam Schefter last night, where they really, really went after the Redskins for for playing Dwayne Haskins Sunday and then, you know, insinuating that there was some sort of sabotage potential uh, effort by, you know, I I believe they were referring to Jay Gruden. Look, I just got five words for you, buddy. What are the five words? Don't be a fan later. Oh, I know. Okay. I I know. I read that. No, no, listen. I don't think you do know. And I don't think most people know. But that, that is bigger than who plays quarterback. That is bigger than who coaches this team. That's bigger than all the football. All of it. The football, it doesn't matter who coaches. It doesn't matter who plays quarterback. That, that little incident there, don't be a fan later, that encompasses everything. 
every single thing that's wrong with this organization. It's the biggest thing that happened this week. Okay, hold on. Let the me, biggest let, thing. Let me read the tweet, and then I want to hear your explanation. I think I'm going to agree with it to a certain uh, level, but I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. First of all, if people missed it, I read it on the show yesterday, read it on the radio show and the podcast. After the game, Dwayne Haskins tweeted out some comfort for everybody. He tweeted, it rains and pours, but the sun will eventually shine. Whatever it takes, that's my word. More fuel to the fire. Don't be a fan later. And that was followed up with a handshake emoji. By the way, you also heard what he said about Tom Brady, right? Yes. So He's go ahead. He's looking forward to playing with him on the same field. <laughs> so go ahead. I mean, this, this, people aren't getting it. This is this has been the problem for 20 years. This is it. This is what gets in the way of the football. This is what gets in the way of 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 hiring a new coach, of bringing in new people. This is this is the this is the disease. This isn't a symptom. This is the exact disease right here. I mean, this is why Josh Norman goes off on the fans a week ago and nobody says anything and a rookie who played uh, what one half of a game and stunk the place up when he played? Who's already wearing? Who's already been empowered by the owner by wearing the number seven jersey and can feel the need to to admonish fans on social media? Don't be a fan layer. This is the Washington <laughs> Redskins. This is the biggest thing that you will have to read about, face this week. All the rest of it is noise. This this is the thing that sets off the Lewis Riddick comments. This is the thing that sets off the notion that the Redskins have some kind of agenda because people believe the worst of the Redskins on every level, way, shape, or form because something like this, because a rookie quarterback who, who barely played is dictating to its damaged fan base how they should behave. This is it. Right here. I appreciate that you've been listening to the show because I completely agree with everything that you've said. It's it's you're 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 being specific about him admonishing the fan base. Yes. But what I'm really referring to is this constant talking, this lack of accountability, this lack of discipline, this feeling in the organization as a player that you can say whatever you want. Did you see what Eric Flowers said after the game? On Sunday, he started ripping the Giants right after his team lost by three touchdowns. Oh, my God, what an idiot. But, of course, and by the way, said it's much better to be here. Of course it is for a player. There's no discipline. There's no accountability. They can do whatever the F they want. It's unbelievable to me. The Landon Collins constantly going back to his old team leading up to this. And by the way, laying a big fat egg on Sunday after he had all these games circled, all these Giants games circled, and then coming out with a zero game. And then, you know, look, the empowered thing started with the jersey number. And I actually, it started before that. It probably started started, before that. It started, well, it started uh, with the combine. The only, the only Redskins, uh, the only rookie interview by the owner yeah. uh, at the Combine was Dwayne Haskins. The The only player called the night of the draft that he was picked by the owner was Dwayne Haskins. This started way before that. Man, I read your columns much more than you listen to my shows. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't – this is the problem. There is no culture, and without a culture that includes some level of discipline, some level of accountability, some some group of people that are good people, are smart people, you're not going to attract 
anybody with real credentials. Nobody wants to come here. This is part of it. And I understand that your thing is much more about you can't go after the fans like they, these players have done, you know, and, and without without consequence. But it's just part of the big, you know, nobody nobody gives a shit. Nobody, there's no consequence for doing anything. This organization is constantly stumbled, constantly overpromised and underdelivered, constantly said and done the wrong thing. And as long as Dan's running the team, especially if he's got the Prince of Darkness sitting next to him, nobody wants to work here. You can't attract anybody that has a chance to turn it around unless they don't have any other options. Somebody seems to want to work here. Lewis Riddick, I think, wants to work here. Lewis Riddick wants to work here. But I just mentioned people that can't get a better opportunity elsewhere. No one's hired him, if you've noticed. I know. You know, he's been this, you know, chic, you know, candidate for team president and GM openings, and I don't even think he's been interviewed for all of them, and he hasn't gotten a job yet. I can. Ju- we're going to get to to what he said here momentarily. Um, Scott really likes him. The people really like him. He's very good on television. He's very likable. I've had him on the radio show before. A likable guy. You know, when when a guy like that gets interviews and is constantly talked about, like you know, he's a genius. He's gonna he'd make make a phenomenal GM, and nobody with all the openings has given him that opportunity. I always think that's a bit of a red flag. A little bit. I, I don't know, but I do know this, Tommy, for a fact. You know who really likes him? Joe Jackson Gibbs. Gibbs likes Riddick, and Gibbs likes Todd Bowles. I've been banging that Todd Bowles drum for a while. So have I, actually. Thanks for listening. Um, And Todd Bowles, I think, you know, if Dan turns to Joe, he doesn't have many other people to turn to. If Dan turns to Joe, I do think that a, a combination of Riddick and Bowles you know, is a decent possibility. I love Todd Bowles as a, as a defensive mind. So do I. And I would love to see him get another opportunity, even though why a lot of my do, Jet why fans... Why would you do that? Huh? Why would you do that to Todd Bowles? If you love Todd Bowles, <laughs> why would you want to see him come here and coach? Right. Like, if you really don't like Jay Gruden, why would you want him to leave? <laughs> you know, why don't you want him to have to stay here and be forced to stay here? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't... You know, I mean, this is, this is just... I mean, this speaks to, this speaks to, I mean, this is, I'm sorry, this is RG3, RG3. Well, we don't know that yet. No, 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 we don't. No, we don't. Except, except we know that, that this rookie quarterback has already been empowered by the owner. Yeah. We know that probably the agenda you're seeing out there being put forth by, by Lewis Riddick is probably the Haskins and Haskins agenda. And it's most likely Dan Snyder's agenda. Uh, yeah, I think it's both, actually. Yes. So we're going to play those comments in a, in a little bit, um, or very shortly. Did you hear Joe on the radio show with me? Yes, morning? I did. Yes, well, I did. Think, I, heard, I, heard, she... I heard him specifically say, I think, that, and this was pretty, this was pretty dramatic when you think about it. Dwayne, need, Dwayne is, seems to be a me guy. He needs to be a wee guy. Yeah, Jay, uh, J- Joe Theismann this morning with me on radio said, Dwayne needs to understand that it's not I, I, I. Yeah. That it's we, we, we. Yeah, not, not the league messed up, and I, I'm getting up. my shot against the Giants. Well, he already and- referred to that league done messed up in a in a way that really upset people because he said, I'd like Dwayne to speak you know, cr- you know, know, with proper grammar. Yeah. Remember that comment oh, about yeah. that? Um, you know... I don't think I, I'm still upset that you know Dan put this number seven jersey thing on Joe. I think it was the wrong thing to do. 
because uh, Joe would have looked like a, a, yeah, what's, a the bad what's, guy. What's, what's was, Joe going to say? No. It, it was it was an, an absolute you know no win situation for Joe. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's who, all. That's I think people yeah. people are going to gloss over this. And what I'm telling you, this is like getting this is like getting a CAT scan, and and all of a sudden there's a there, there's a spot that you're not paying attention to. This is the spot. This is the spot that's never going away, and it grows all the time within this organization. This is what gets in the way of all the football. This is what gets in the way. It gets in the way because ultimately it has led to a culture that repulses people um, in the league. Uh, It turns off the kind of people that you need to attract to be successful. Again, no discipline, no accountability, and too much of the worst combination in business and in people. It's the combination of arrogance and incompetence. When you have that combination, you can't learn from mistakes because you never think that the mistakes are yours. This is the worst combination in business, Tommy, is when you get arrogance and and a level of of incompetence in combination together, you, they those th- that combination never wins. With the Redskins, it's always been someone else's fault. Marty was a control freak. You know, the Shanahan's don't like, you know, our precious RG3. Damn that drunk McLuhan. You know, damn those injuries the last couple of years. It's never about Dan and Bruce recently. It's always about somebody else has effed us in this situation. And that's the problem. And that's why people like me who were lifelong fans aren't nearly as passionate anymore. Don't really see a path to anything because at 55 or 56 years old, however old Dan Snyder is, he's not going to change his spots. He's arrogant and he has a level of incompetence in running a football operation that in combination gives him no hope. None. I, I don't and and by the way, having, you know, Bruce Allen there who's become some sort of, you know, comfort to him as the face of the franchise, as his spokesperson in league meetings, because he's become so reclusive and has become so hesitant to be, you know, a communicator. Um, it just makes it worse because Bruce is the least respected person from agents and players. And I believe other team executives don't respect anything about Bruce as a football person. They may think of him as an administrative, you know, some administrative competence that he has. But that combination, Tommy, I said on, on the radio show this morning, the Redskins should be, if they aren't already, should be a case study at Wharton or HBS or Harvard Business School. Like, you're how, right. You're absolutely how right. How to suck the life out of one of the most passionate consumer fan bases in less than 20 years. This it, it should be a case study because there's so much wrapped into it. Psychology, management, people, you know, not learning from mistakes. Like just the the mistakes over and over again that they don't learn from. And I guarantee you the case study would produce the, this answer. They didn't learn from them because they didn't think they made them. They thought right. they were someone else's fault. And You're that, right. That would be a great case study because not you know what you'd have in the middle of it, the 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 resurrection, the Gibbs Gibbs return. Brief. brief. I know, you, but but you but, have but to take but a moment think, to say, oh, they yeah, almost had it. Yeah, but you just have to think that the 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 most important figure in the history of this franchise they managed to bring back, and all it did was just slow down the brakes. Yep. That's all it did, and actually hurt his reputation. Yes, his professional reputation. 
it's it's fascinating in so many ways to watch it from all of our seats because we're so close and we follow the day-to-day detail. It really is because if you think about it, if someone had told you 20 years ago that by the year 2019, 20 years from now, the Redskins would be on a two-decade run of ineptitude and nearly half of their fan base, if not more, would be gone. Gone. Vanished. No longer interested in the team. Not not no not, not showing to the, not showing up to the stadium. Not watching on Sundays on TV. No one would have ever believed that. Of course not. No chance anybody would have believed that. And they would have said, "Wow, that would have been really interesting to watch. <laughs> that would have been really hard to do." <laughs> and it really is like from just a business standpoint, it's so interesting to see how this has been run into the ground and. You know, and then you you think, okay, so what are the solutions? What's next? Well, there's a guy out there working as a television analyst that if you listen to what he said last night leading into the Monday night football game, Lewis Riddick, I think he thinks he can be part of the solution. Here's what Lewis Riddick said on the set with Susie Kalber, Steve Young, Adam Schefter. I don't know if anybody else was on there. Um, the Redskins were a punching bag last night leading into the Monday night game. This was Lewis Riddick. It was more than a rough goal, but look, quite honestly, Blaine Haskins going into that game was really one of the worst decisions I've seen so far this year as far as how people are handling young quarterbacks. All we have heard from the Washington Redskins all along from their coaching staff in particular was that he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. That's why Case Keenum has been playing. Case Keenum should have been made to finish that football game. He started it. He should have been made to finish it. They're missing their starting left tackle. They're missing their starting right guard. Terry McLaurin, their best wide receiver this year, out. Jordan Reed, out. You see some of the best teachers in this game. And, Steve, we talked about this a little bit on the ride over here. Guys like Andy Reid, guys like Doug Peterson, who come from a certain school of thought when it comes to quarterback development. Why would okay? he? Why would, why would you? Him? Why would you why put him in the, there under any circumstance? Let's answer that. It, why re- would it, it reeks of an agenda to me. Okay, as far as saying, look, he's not ready to play. The team is suffering. You've heard all along, going all the way back to the draft, about how there was dissension about front office wanted one guy, coaching staff wanted another guy, and that kind of thing right off the bat. You think Dwayne Haskins doesn't hear that? You think he feels totally supported in this entire process? And see, these are the kind of things I talk all the time about setting people up for success. That young man right now is being set up for failure. And, And Dan Snyder needs to recognize that and say, hey, look, You just right now drafted another franchise quarterback, and he's being set up to fail. He should have never went in that football game last night. You have some decisions to make about your franchise going forward because we were just there for countdown. And did it look like a fan base that was very happy with how things are going? You want to hear something really interesting? We're going to get to all those quotes, but he mentioned Andy Reid, you know, would never have done this. Right. So um, as he mentioned that, because that wasn't part of the quote that I played on the radio show this morning, the uh, Andy Reid part, I quickly pulled up Donovan McNabb's career in Philadelphia. He did do it to Donovan McNabb. McNabb's first five games were in relief. Didn't start, didn't prep as the starter. And by the way, you know who the starter was? Doug Peterson. Oh, my <laughs> God. those games. <laughs> so uh, Lewis Riddick's got to get his facts straight um, on some of that stuff. Because I mentioned this morning, there is a long list of first-round quarterbacks that got their first game action long before they were named starter. 
long list of Hall of Famers and future Hall of Famers that didn't have to get a full week of prep with the starting left tackle and everything perfect around them to get into the game. Coaches, great coaches, bad coaches, have put quarterbacks like Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Donovan McNabb, Tom Brady, Deshaun Watson recently, um, Baker Mayfield last year. How about Daniel Jones? Do you know what his first action was this year? Fourth quarter of the Cowboy game in week one. So Dan Marino didn't didn't start a game for his first action. Twice off the bench for David Woodley. Brett Favre twice off the bench in Green Bay for Don Mikowski. Aaron Rodgers played off the bench seven times before he got his first start. So this is not like this awful thing that's never been done. I just want to point that out. Um, now, I think the key thing is when he says reeks of an agenda. Oh, yes. Absolutely. What do you think he's saying? I I think basically what he's what he's saying is I think he's saying what I think he's saying is what Dan Snyder wants to hear. I think Dan Snyder is convinced that uh the coaches and Jay Gruden are trying to undermine his plan to have Dwayne Haskins as the next star for the Redskins. I mean there's already been this divide uh between the you know uh between the owner and the coaches going back to the draft on Haskins. And I just think that that Lewis Riddick is just – I think Lewis Riddick is lobbying for Bruce Allen's job. That's what I think is going on here. The whole, the whole thing from Riddick there, the first reaction, because I was watching it live, um, was he's going to be the next general manager. It's going to be Lewis Riddick. That's going to be the guy who's here. Gibbs likes him. Um, I don't know about the relationship with Bowles. Uh, Riddick was a big, big supporter of Haskins, you know, on draft. Oh, line. I know. Um, and uh, and he worked in this organization and knows Dan and knows the people in the organization. Let me just, let me just point out. But I wanted to just, I don't want to lose this one thought. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Hold I don't want to lose this one thought. And the one thought is, if you're right, and this is coming from Snyder, you know, uh, and and Riddick is really, you know, out there lobbying, and and they're they're all basically pointing it back to Jay. Why the hell is Jay Gruden in the building? I know. I know. How stupid! Like, if if you think as an owner that your coach is sabotaging your first round quarterback, it, is it, this reeks of an agenda? Why is he in your building? I mean, there's no way if I thought that from Sunday that Jay would have ever made it home on our our team plane. Right. I don't I don't understand that. I think it's also possible that Riddick is getting this from, you know, maybe Haskins. It could be. And and the people around Haskins. I don't know. Or maybe he just feels it himself. But again, worst decision so far for quarterback, you know, putting it, putting him into a position where he's going to be damaged. Snyder needs to recognize this. And by the way, this part where he says we've been hearing he isn't ready, he isn't ready, he isn't ready. Well, we haven't heard that publicly. Some of us have heard that certainly behind the scenes, and I've mentioned that on the show and on the podcast, that he is a project you know, and the football people are saying he's a project. My point of view is the season is over. Who cares if he's a project? Make it work. Coach him up. Give him something that can work for him. We've seen this many times over the years. Once you realize your season is dead and the future is him, you get him in the game. And you you figure out how to make it work for him. And if that's cutting half the playbook out, you cut half the playbook out. If that means adapting to the way he plays and creating for him, you do that. Anyway. Okay. The other thing is about what they're talking about 
putting Dwayne Haskins in that game. He was the backup quarterback. Yeah. I mean, he, he was the guy who was active. If, if he couldn't be your backup quarterback, then make him an active and pick up Josh Johnson off the street right. and make him the backup quarterback. If Cole McCoy can't play, pick up a guy off the street, keep Dwayne Haskins inactive, but he's your backup. I mean, you're going to tell me, you're going to go into a game saying, well, he's, we've got a backup quarterback that we can't play. What the heck is that? Uh, it, it's it's I there's nothing about the moment he put Dwayne Haskins into the game on Sunday that would have made me think that this reeks of an agenda. Nothing. Starting with the week that led up to it, you've got an injured starting quarterback off a Monday night game in a short week, and you're already talking about Colt and Dwayne, and we're going to get some first-team reps, which he did in the walkthrough, and then he got a couple of more on Thursday and Friday, and then Case was fine, so you started Case. But Case missed two wide-open bombs to Trey Quinn. Missed him. Threw an interception as well. And so then we got Dwayne Haskins. I... I was not thinking in the moment, oh man, he is trying to undermine this kid. He is putting him out there knowing he's got no chance of succeeding, and this is sabotage. Never thought that once. No, neither did I. By the way, I'm not discounting it as a possibility. Any Everything's in play. Yes. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. It always is. This is like the, the Coen Brothers movie, Burn After Reading. I didn't see that one. That's uh, very good. I mean, it's very good. Anything, though, is possible. <laughs> Anything is possible yes. right now. Yeah. It is. Uh, but uh, so now we move on to the Patriots. Um, but so to do so, we've got to figure out who the starting quarterback and is. And we know who it's going to be. Yeah, I think I know who it's going to be. Yeah. But that's only if he's able to yes. walk, you yes. know, in a straight line yes. without a wobble. This if week. they can keep the doctors away from Colt McCoy, <laughs> Colt McCoy is going to be your starting quarterback yeah. on Sunday. And, you know, it's, it's so funny. Of all the times to 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 finally get back Patriots. to the place, it's against the Patriots, surrounded by a, a team that is just drowning in chaos. I mean, look, let me let me ask you a question: If Colt McCoy manages to win this game, is he? It does he go in the Redskins Ring of Fame? This would be right. Uh, look, the Cowboy Monday Night game—they were ten-point underdogs. <laughs> nobody gave him a shot. If he starts without basically having any action yes. since last early December and he plays well and he runs the offense and they upset the Patriots, it will go down as an all-time memorable oh, Redskins game. Absolutely. Now, yeah. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't either. Okay, let me just make that clear. Yeah. As much as I love Colt, I don't think that's going to happen. It is Jay's Hail Mary, though. Yes, it is. Because this is what he's wanted. I mean, because if, if, if Colt, does something like that, then Jay has the power. Then all of a sudden, Jay is empowered. Then all of a sudden, you know, uh, the coach is, is, is knocking on the owner's office and saying, I'll take this office. You need to move down to my office. Can you imagine if Colt starts and they win? Okay, and then they go to Miami and they win again with yes. Colt. And then they come home against okay. the 40. Okay. Oh, oh, hold on to... <laughs> because Jay, look, here, Jay's got this incredible infatuation with Colt McCoy. He's admitted to it being maybe even a blind spot, a personal yeah. blind spot. Um, and, you know, once Kurt, Kurt was gone, 
I don't even think he wanted Alex Smith. I think he wanted Colt McCoy to start last year. I think he did. And now Case Keenum's a different thing because Colt's coming off the broken leg. You don't have Alex. And so I think he was involved in evaluating Keenum much more than he was Alex Smith. And he said, yeah, if we don't have to give up anything for him, which they really didn't, and Denver's going to pick up half his salary, which should have told you all you needed to know about Case Keenum to start with, is that... Um, we're going to pay you three and a half million to take them from us. Um, is that, you know, uh, so Jay was involved in that, but Jay still had hopes that case would basically be the backup. And this is before the draft, you know, on the Keenum thing before they knew Haskins would be available or before they knew that the owner was going to come in, in the first round and say, no, 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 you're going to take Dwayne Haskins right here. Uh, I I thought he was going to get picked. Haven't you watched him? He threw 50 touchdowns last year. (laughs) Um, but he's but, uh, wanted Colt McCoy, and, you know, I want Dwayne Haskins to start Sunday. I want the reboot to start now. I want them to figure out a game plan that works. I want them to get 12 games of first-team reps, of first-team meetings, of first-team game action, of, you know, experience, so that at the end of the year you've got real evaluation, not whiteboard evaluation, so that you can figure out and you've got a better sense of whether or not he's the guy. Because, as you know... I I'm not the biggest I wasn't the biggest Haskins fan, but I also like him from this standpoint. He doesn't appear to be the guy that you're going to damage his psyche by putting him out there. I just don't see him as that guy. I see him as a guy that's pretty damn confident and 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 will could fail but not, you know, but deal with adversity in a, in a in a positive way. Maybe not after that tweet from the other day. I don't know. Uh, okay, I, I would but, stick but, him out there, but I think we're going to get Colt McCoy. Yeah, I think we are too. And let's, again, let's make it clear to everybody who hears what they want to hear. I'm not saying that Colt McCoy is going to beat the Patriots. What I think is a likely scenario is a Sunday massacre. And then, then after that, do you see Dwayne Haskins against Miami? Oh, if he didn't start against Miami, I think I'd lose my mind. Yeah, so I think. I, I mean, think I, this, as this... much as I can lose my mind without, you know, being as passionate about this, yeah. I mean, it would be more of the case study. Yeah. It would be another, you know, it would be another class. Yeah. Be, if, if, Cole, if Cole 45 McCoy. 45 minutes talking about why he didn't start Haskins in Miami. Yeah, Cole McCoy takes the beating like he probably will, and the Redskins take the beating like he probably will. Then, then you're looking at Haskins in Miami the next week. How surprised are you that nobody's been fired? I'm pretty surprised. I was surprised. Look, uh, that Monday night game, I left to go down to the locker room with about three minutes left in the game. Minusky. And, yeah. and I, as I walked down, Snyder was walking in, towards me in the opposite direction, you know, with his army of, uh, yeah. of security, security and, and followers around him, guys who – who are very scary individuals, by the way, some of them. Uh, and and he was, and everybody has to stop, you know, on that on that platform when Snyder walks. Oh yeah, everybody has I've, to I've been stop. There and seen it. Yep. You can't. Uh, security stops everybody, yeah. and nobody moves. So until he makes his way to his elevator. Can I? Just, I, I, I let was, me just say one thing. Yeah. That may be now at a legitimate security concerns. <laughs> okay. And I'm being serious. Don't you think there have probably been some threats against him? I don't know. Okay, go I, ahead. I but, but I was surprised that Minuski uh, survived that walk right. from 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 the owner's box down to the locker room that that Monday night. I would have fired him if I was the owner. I would have fired him right on the spot. However, however, uh, however passionate, however basically knee jerk that might have been, I don't think I could have stopped myself. 
I guess I should give Snyder credit for not firing him. Um, I, I don't. I, I, I think. I think right now Dan's probably completely lost um, and doesn't know what to do and just wants this thing to end. Um, even though there are twelve games left, this is the first time in a while. It's been a while since you know we got to. To, we couldn't even get to the end of September yeah. without having yes, you has. know the thought of having a, a competitive season. Um, well, you know what you do when you're lost and you can't think and everything's going bad. Yacht trip. <laughs> Time for a yacht trip. Time for a little trip to the south yep. of France. Yacht trip, baby. Um, you know, he's also got Bruce in his ear. You know, and Bruce is saying, "Do you know what our record was when Alex left? Mm-hmm. Do you know what we've been since?" That was the right decision. Oh, by the way, have you seen what Kurt's doing in Minnesota? We were right about that also. Like, in you know, Bruce, he must be an easy mark for Bruce. And Bruce is talking about the injuries again. Look at the injuries. We we didn't have our our starting left guard, our starting our starting guard, our starting center. Um, we, we've lost people already. McLaurin's been our best player. How about that as a draft pick, Dan? I mean, we're <laughs> right about this kid. We just we haven't gotten a break, but it's coming soon. It's coming soon. This season has not gotten off to the start we thought we would have. You know what? (laughs) We're close. We're close. We're close. That was one of the interesting comments from Bruce yesterday, um, from Jay yesterday, was him saying, um, hold on, I need to find it. Uh, He said, Tommy, after the game on Sunday, um, 0-4 is just a big surprise to everybody out here, you know, everybody in the building. Um, and by the way, I'm sure it is. I'm not. You know what? And it it's should a surprise be. to me. Um, it's not that much of a surprise to you. I thought they'd be two and two. Um, they were picked, you know, pretty much universally, you know, as one of the three or four worst teams in the NFL coming in odds wise for the Super Bowl. And I didn't think they were that bad. Though. I know you didn't. Um, reality just sails over their heads, though, consistently. You know, Bruce and Dan talk each other into. You know, if Alex had stayed healthy, we would have been in the Super Bowl. And that's why there was no reboot in January, because Dan bought into what Bruce was telling him. Yeah. That we're close. You know, we missed the playoffs last year by one game. We missed the playoffs two years ago, Dan, by one game when we were 7-9. and nine. And Dan doesn't look it up. He's not following football. They were four games out of the playoffs in 2017, not one game out. Um but I don't, you know, this goes, I mean, you know how I felt in January. I wanted to reboot in January. I didn't see this as anywhere near a contending or a playoff team or, you know, a better than 500 team. And and they had an opportunity to, to take the nuclear option, if you want to call it that, on Alex Smith with all the dead money and cut people like Norman and Davis. And that was all part of the plan that I think they should have employed, trading Trent, trading Kerrigan. You know, and 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 that's and here they are. And now, what makes it worse, uh, maybe, is here they are with a quarterback that only the owner perhaps wanted. Yes, and that football people may not want. And by the way, the next group of football people, unless it's Lewis Riddick, who was a fan of Haskins, may say, "I'm coming," but we're going to draft Tua, or we're going to draft Herbert, or we're going to draft. Hurts, or we're going to draft from because we're going to have a top two or three pick, and they are real NFL quarterbacks in the future if they think that way. I don't know right. how, what they think. I mean, but. You know, it's a remarkable when you think about. I mean, just to show you how how swiftly and dramatically things have fallen uh, in just four weeks, going into week five here. Trent Williams is still holding out, no, no, no. and and nobody even mentions it anymore. Nope. It's not. It's not. It's not even a blip on the radar. Nope. It was the story that consumed the whole summer. 
And now it, 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 nothing's changed except things have gotten worse for everyone else who's been here. What do you think Trent's thinking? <laughs> Trent wants to get the accrued season. You know, he, I know. He wants to come back by, I think it's week 10, something like that. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it's so meaningless compared to the S show that's going on out there right now with an 0-4 start that they couldn't see coming with the the roster. Look, the, the, the single biggest surprise through four weeks um, is not to me that they're 0-4. It's that the defense has been so bad. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. That is why I, I'm shocked that Minuski's still in the building because I think a lot of it has to do with him. I think a lot of people believe they have much better talent than what they've played. They do. They've got better talent. I, I you know, I wasn't buying into the top five thing, no. but I thought it could be a top ten to you know twelve defense, which would have been an improvement from last year. And it's been god awful. And we're right now historically at a historic awful sixty three percent third down you know rate. I might want to point games, out you know, it, it, at this it point. got worse when Jonathan Allen came back. It didn't get any better. It, 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 it almost got worse. It's terrible. And I specifically, by the way, um, on Minuski and the defense. From what I am hearing, I, I haven't mentioned this yet, so I'm going to mention it here with you. I forgot to mention it on the radio show this morning. Um, there's a lot of frustration on on the coverages in particular. Remember, they brought in Ray Horton because last year, you know, the DB's room was a mess. Well, apparently it's not any better right now. And and Minuski and the defensive staff have, have apparently just been way too complex with some of their coverages. And you can see it pre-snap. How many times Sunday did you see confusion pre-snap? Even with a guy like Dunbar at one point, Moreau in particular, multiple times saying, what's the call, what's the call? And um, this has been apparently, you know, an issue that that they're trying to. They've got like an expanded defensive playbook, and it's just way too confusing because you got new players back there. You know, Moreau finally came back. Dunbar finally came back. Landon Collins is new, um, and you know. But I would take it a step further and say, look, Jim T- Jim Tom Sula, who apparently, by the way, I heard this yesterday from J.P. Finley. If Minuski goes, Tom Sula may go too. Did you know that? I think I've seen I've seen that reported before. So because that, they're, because they're tight. The, yeah, that that may be part of the reason they're not turning Minuski loose. But you know what's been awful has been their run defense. Their run defense has been bad. Yes. Um. So, uh, I it's it that is the biggest surprise is that the Redskins are among the three or four right now worst defenses in the NFL in a lot of categories statistical categories, and that's the biggest surprise to me. You know, zero and four is not a massive surprise. The fact that it's been primarily because of a horrendous defense, certainly in the first three games, is the biggest surprise. Yes, biggest I, surprise. I, agree. I actually thought they played harder on Sunday, but still weren't anywhere near good enough. They're better with Dunbar out there. That's obvious. Um, anyway, a uh, quick word about mybookie.ag. Uh, many of you, Tommy, do you know how hot the smell test is? Do you have any idea? No. Are you making money hand over foot? In the last three weeks, 38 and one. Are you kidding me? I hope you're donating some of this money to charity. Overall in the season, 36, 15, and one. I hope you're you're putting some of this money in, in, in the You don't uh, worry about my charity. In, in the donations. basket on, you know, on Sunday and for church. You know what? When I am in church on Sunday, and it's a lot less than I used to be, but when I am, you're damn right okay. when I'm on a run like All this right. on a heater like this. <laughs> 
Um, they're like, man, who put that into the basket? Thank you. Uh, MyBookie.ag um, is one of those places where if you don't have a place to wager, you can wager with confidence that you're going to get the best lines, you're going to get the best vigs, and you're going to get the fastest payouts. Trust me on this. There are a lot of shops out there, and not all of them are as reputable or as accountable and dependable as mybookie.ag. If you go to mybookie.ag right now and use my promo code, KevinDC, they will double your first deposit. You got to use my promo code, K-E-V-I-N-D-C, and that'll activate the offer. Um, They've got great lines. They've got great prop bets. They've got great parlay opportunities, teaser opportunities. No matter how you want to bet, they're going to offer you the best opportunity to do it. Go to mybookie.ag today. Use my promo code, KevinDC. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's get to the game tonight. Uh, We've got a wild card game. This is actually really exciting. You know, their first four playoff visits were as, you know, division champions. By the way, all four of those NLDS series, they had home field advantage. Yes. And now they're entering the playoffs as a... Uh, as a as a wild card uh, team, this wild card, you know, the two wild card system has been in effect uh, since 2012. You've only had one World Series winner come out of that. That was the 2014 Giants, who beat the Pirates, then beat the Nats in four games, uh, and then went on to uh, beat the the Royals in the World Series, which right. was a phenomenal World Series with Madison, Madison Bumgarner, Bumgarner coming out, you know, at the bullpen, bullpen in Game Seven. Um, First question to you is, do you think they've made the right decision on the starter tonight? Yes. Yes, I do. I think, look, I, I compared it to a, a Hoosiers Jimmy Chitwood situation. In other words, everybody in that locker room, if, if, if I really do think this, if they had picked Strasburg, Steven Strasburg, I think people in that locker room would have looked at Dave Martinez like they looked at, 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 the co- at Gene Hackman. In, in Hoosiers and say, really? You know, Jimmy's here. Yeah. Jimmy needs to take the shot. I think Max Scherzer is the alpha dog in that clubhouse. I think if people think he's healthy, I think the expectation was that he needs to have the ball. Is it the right decision? Will it, will it prove to be the right decision? I don't know. But I know in the dynamic that fans hate. Fans hate this kind of stuff because all they care about are the numbers. Of the dynamic inside that room, if if Scherzer could pitch, he needed to pitch. That's what I believe. And he's looked more like himself recently. You know, one of the things you would look at is that he has not been a great postseason pitcher. No, he hasn't. All right, he, he's he's got a very very spotty track record. Yeah. Um, you know, he has, you know, many opportunities, obviously in Detroit and then four opportunities here, three as a starter. And then remember in the, in the fifth and deciding game against the Cubs, he came in as a reliever and got lit up. Well, he had two outs, two strikes, and then they got like five and then, then, then the the inning just went out. He gave up three or four straight hits and then you had the pass ball, the hit batter. Right. I mean, just chaos. Yeah, so um, he, you know, he's had some rough outings, but you know, in Strasburg, the last time we saw him in the postseason, he was great yes, in the was. fourth game that they I, had to have when there was some question as to whether or not the sniffles would keep him out of the game. Yes, logically, I understand why people would want Steven Strasburg to start his going into going into the end of the season. 
his record was much better. Better this ERA, year. yes, as was Corbin's too. Yeah, than sure. Uh, than but Max's. but again, and this is, you know, I forget who the quote was, but somebody once said about commitment about a particular player. I had a commitment to his heart, and that's what they had with Scherzer. Yes, no doubt. He is their alpha dog competitor. Yeah. And and that's what they see in him. That's what Rizzo sees in him. That's what the learners, I'm sure, see in him. That's what Dave Martinez sees in him. And, you know, Strasburg in his, you know, he's had three postseason starts for the Nats. He started game one against the Giants in 2014, um, gave up one earned run in five innings, um, and then in the, and that was the series where you thought the pitching was the, the pitching wasn't good enough, right? And I, I you know, and they hit one eighty five for the series or whatever it was. Yeah, he lost to Jake Peavy. Yeah, exactly. In that in, first in, game, in that game, because he only went five innings. Yeah, and then he pitched in game one against the Cubs in twenty seventeen, where he allowed no earned runs in seven innings and just three hits. And then he was obviously, and they lost that game. They didn't generate any offense. And then he came back in game four against the Cubs and was brilliant. Pitched seven innings of three hit, no earned run, 12 strikeouts in that game. His ERA and three starts in the postseason is 0.47. I know, Kevin. So I, I know. It, it, and Max's is, is, is what, four something, I think. 3.73, I think I just okay, said, yeah. or whatever it was. Um, you know what? Look. I I don't have I don't necessarily have a problem with the decision. I would have been fine had Strasburg started, but there is something about the way Max I know is going to come out. He is I know the results haven't been there, but sometimes but he's he's it just seems like he's up to the occasion. He is my favorite type of athlete. You know, the Russell Westbrook type of athlete that you just know you're going to get a fearless competitive Effort and that's what you have to have in a one game like tonight. Listen, as much nobody was willing to say it because I I wrote this column for today exactly saying this, and I was talking to some Nats players in the clubhouse yesterday during the workout before the workout, and uh, Howie Kendrick did say you know Max has been our ace for a couple of years, his resume speaks for itself. Without I think if 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 they had picked Strasburg, while everyone respects what Strasburg has done. I think a little bit of air would have went out of the room. I just think, look, and I know it's human nature. You may hate it as a fan. That's a big but these part are of the, people, and that's a big part of the decision. You can't. You want everybody on board. You yes. want, you know, in in that particular uh, situation as well. Um, it'll be interesting tonight. There are a couple of interesting, you know, potential Dave Martinez big decisions, and I'll just start with this. Are you confident in him in his first playoff game against a guy that's really good in, in Craig Council? Yeah. Yes, I am. Okay, so... Um, See, I think he's a very good manager. Will he pull Scherzer early enough if he's struggling, knowing that he's got Strasburg and Corbin that he could turn to to start an inning? Let's say if if, if Max gives up four earned runs in the first two oh, innings. Oh, absolutely. You don't, don't think he'll hesitate? No, because Strasburg... This is Strasburg's day to pitch. He could pitch seven innings if yeah. he needs to. So, I mean, no, I don't think he'll hesitate there. I heard you talking about it on your radio show this morning. I'm glad I, you listened. I happened to, you know, catch it on the dial, recognize the, the voice as I, I was flipping Appreciate around. that. I really you do. Know? And, and, and you brought up the scenario and, and with Mark Zuckerman about a pinch hit situation. Yeah. That's where it's going to be a little bit dicey. Yeah. I mean, because do you take out a guy who is, you know, maybe giving up one run in six innings, uh, 
that's going to depend on the scoring opportunity you're faced with. Yeah. Like you said, came up with bases loaded and two out. Yes, you're going to take them out there. You have to. You have to. I mean, if you've got a runner on second and it's a tie game, no. I don't think you uh, – he's pitching lights out. No, I don't think you take him out because I think this Nats team has to have, at least until they get to Josh Hader in the eighth and the ninth, be- before that eighth inning comes around – I think you have to have confidence that this Nats offense will score runs. Mm-hmm. And if it's like the sixth inning, I think you got to have confidence that your guys uh, are going to break that 1-1 one, one tie and score some what runs. What if that runner's on third with one out? And it's a nothing-nothing game well, in, the, in, one out, in, in, the, fi- then, in the fifth. And he's pitched 90 um, pitches um, and it's nothing-nothing. If, he's, if brilliant. he's pitched 90 pitches yeah. in the fifth, then he hasn't eight, pitched brilliant. Eight, 80 pitches. Then he's staying in the game for me. Yeah, I mean because again, I, I mean, mean they're going to walk the next batter anyway, so right. it's going to be the. But they they they're not going to walk Scherzer though no. if he's up, and no. then potentially you're going to get into a situation if he can't put a a decent ball into play if he, where if he hits a fly you ball, you, you score a, a run if he hits the sack fly. But yeah, you you'd want the guy that you're you're confident can actually drive yes. him in with a sack fly. Yeah, it's just, look a one game playoff. Is utter chaos. I love this. Yeah, I, I like it too. I'm yeah. glad baseball. I actually, did it. I, I mean, I want the Nats to win, and I want a series against the Dodgers. But it would be really. I love this stuff if we've got a lot of strategy decisions in this game tonight. Yeah, you know, a lot of late inning strategy decisions. Oh, yeah. Do you think anybody other than Strasburg, Corbin, Hudson, or Doolittle will pitch tonight? If it's a lo- if people aren't getting shelled constantly, you know, if it's a if it's a three two kind of game. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But I brought up this scenario to you before we, we started the podcast. You know, everyone assumes it's Strasburg following Scherzer in terms of right. if unless it's like the eighth inning. Then you're looking at probably Doolittle Hudson or Hudson Doolittle, eighth and ninth inning. Uh but I put I put forth this scenario of you've got uh let's say it's the sixth inning and you've had Scherzer throwing ninety Six ninety-seven, ninety-eight miles an hour. They've been watching heat, you know, the Brewers for six innings, and then you bring in Annabelle Sanchez, and Annabelle Sanchez is throwing seventy-five, eighty miles an hour, fifteen pitches all over the place, and these guys who have been looking at nothing but heat. Yeah, it's in, it's interesting. Are are all of a sudden they're off their game? They're saying, I mean, they're 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 swinging early on everything. You know, and and but I think Sanchez Strasburg's off-speed stuff is pretty good. Yeah, though. look, you're right, yeah. you're right. His changeup has yeah. turned out to be great, and I think ultimately, if they have to do go through all their starters, Sanchez obviously is their game one starter then. in L.A. and in L.A. So they need him for that, right? So I understand that. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually interested if let's just say Strasburg came in. Um, well, no. I mean, what if he came in and got lit up in one inning? Would he be? But somehow they survived and they advanced. Would he still be your game one pitcher? You know, I, I, there's so many things yeah. right now. Look, this is when you are down to have to win to advance. You don't even worry about the next game. No, if you don't. You, if you have to start vote, there is no tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, you just you do whatever you need yeah. to do to win tonight. Yeah. Now, do you, you know, think Kendrick sh- should start at first base? Yeah, I do. I think that's a smart decision. And he's a clutch player. He really is. He really is. And they've been getting him ready for this moment. So I think he really is. Here's the roster that, that they've released. Oh, uh, is it out? Okay, yeah, I didn't know out it was out. Okay. For tonight. Uh, Patrick Corbin, Sean Doolittle, Daniel Hudson, uh, Annabelle Sanchez, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, 
The relievers are Fernando Rodney, Hunter Strickland, God. and Tanner Rainey. Rainey is the guy that Aaron told me said before the show he could see coming in in a one out oh, situation. That was a good call. Yeah, that was a good call. I didn't see Rainey on this postseason. Yeah, roster. Aaron said to me before the show, he said I could see because I said, do you think it's just Doolittle and Hudson after Strasburg Corbin? He said I could see Rainey in a one you know batter yeah. situation. Yeah, I, right, I, right, I, I could see that too. You know, they didn't go to Suero on the postseason yeah, roster. The, the only thing I can really think of, unless there's some specific matchup thing, is that just Rainey has more of the swing and miss stuff. So you have runners yeah. on, you need a strikeout here, you bring in Rainey. Yeah, and his numbers may be great against the Brewers, too, for all I, I know. I hope we don't see Fernando Rodney tonight at any point. Oh, well, look, <laughs> you might. the game's over. If, if Fernan- The game's over one way or the other, either up by five or down by five. If if you see Fernando Rodney, they've got three catchers, uh, including Rowdy Red, Red. as, as uh, one of their catchers, because I think they want the flexibility there of using a guy like Gomes as a pinch hitter mm-hmm. off the bench yeah. and still have a backup catcher. Uh, Suzuki, like I told you last week, uh, if, if, if Scherzer was a starter, Suzuki would be the catcher, and that's been the case. Uh, Max is more comfortable with Suzuki back there than with Gomes. Uh, you've got Matt Adams, uh, you've got Cabrera, you've got Dozier, Kendrick, Rendon, Turner, and Zimmerman. Outfielders, besides Eaton, you've got Para, yeah, and you Robe got- Soto, and you've got the two speedsters, Andrew Stevenson and, and Michael A. Taylor. And Michael A. Yep. Taylor. Uh, because, that, I mean, like I've reminded everybody, it was a stolen base that changed the history of baseball in 2004 when Dave Roberts stole second base for the Boston Red Sox against the New York Yankees. Stolen base could prove to be very important. So that's the roster for tonight. Um, yeah, and we'll get the starting lineup uh, yes. here in about, uh, well, from... A few hours. Yeah, it'll be a few hours from now as we're doing the podcast. Um, are you, how are you fa- going? I'm not going. I'm surprised. You're you're a big event I love, guy. And, I, and I've been at, you know, I've been at every I single know. game five. I know uh, f- uh, the first four anyway, and I've loved all of them except for the people that asked me to stand uh, to <laughs> sit down when there were two strikes late in innings. Um, I, I, you know what, this new show, you know, I'm getting up super early. Like I, th- it would be, uh, it's not going to be a last. It'd be a change. home by midnight hey, situation. Listen, you want to know something? If they what? if they win tonight, if they win tonight, you know what your boy has to do? What your boy has to then drive to BWI. Sleep for four hours at a hotel at BWI, and then get on a plane like at seven thirty in the morning to fly to LA. Why do you have to fly? To, uh, why can't you fly Thursday morning? Because they'll have a workout tomorrow out oh, in LA. Okay. I want to get to Dodger Stadium as soon as I, I can. Oh, look, and by the way, what? I'm, uh, this is one reason why I'm really pulling for them to win. I've never been to Dodger Stadium. Oh, you haven't? I've really? never been. When I used to travel a lot. It was with covering the Orioles, yeah. So they're an American League team. I've been in. I, I you remember I told you when in my previous you know professional life that I've been to a lot of yes. baseball games. Yeah. Dodger Stadium's one of them. And by the way, it's not nearly as impressive as it appears on TV. I really like it. Oh, you, I, I th- and they, and yeah. by the way, Chavez Ravine's a dump. Yeah. Um, well, they 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 put in a lot of money fixing yeah. it up. You know, you know who the boss. But it was is cool out. to be there. I mean, to be in Dodger Stadium. You know who the boss is out there. Stan Caston. Yeah, Stan Caston. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been fixing things up, getting things right. Um, yeah. The uh, 
I think my I think my favorite may have been the uh, like one of my favorites was the old Bush Stadium, which I really, really? enjoyed. Well, oh god, I hated that. Place. It, well, there was something about a Cardinals game, which by the way, that city's a real baseball yeah, town. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and it they is. had a big series in town, and I happened to have been in St. Louis, and I went, and the atmosphere was phenomenal, and the whole thing. Now that stadium is a you know a nineteen seventies yeah. you know RFK yes. vet type of yeah. style Riverfront stadium. stadium the whole but thing. I think that game was an unbelievable you know big regular season game that I went to was probably in the early yeah, 90s spent, early to mid 90s I spent a lot of time I actually at, liked St. Louis as a town so do I it's, yeah. it's a great restaurant town it's a yep. great music town I, I, I've had great times in St. Louis I spent a lot of time there in 98 during the McGuire Sosa run yeah. a lot of time so you'll go to LA yeah I'll go to LA so um, games 1 and 2 are Thursday Friday so Saturday would be the travel day so that mean, means games 3 and 4 would be Sunday and Monday, Monday here right. Um, do you think they can make a deep, long run in this postseason? No. You don't. Why? Because they don't have a bullpen. They, they don't have a bullpen. This has been your thing I the mean, whole season. They don't have a bullpen. Look, I, I think like like you know, it's not a one-game playoff, but a five-game series, there's still a lot of luck and chaos involved. So I think in a five-game series, they still, with, with their starting pitching, mm-hmm. they can maybe get by. Well, the five-game series is going to be against the Dodgers. I know that, and the Dodgers are very good. But again, as we've seen numerous times, a five-game series is is, there's a lot more luck in a five-game series than there is in a seven-game series. There just is. Do you think they win tonight? I think they win tonight. Uh, I I don't see how, if they they continue to play, I don't see how they get past the the NLCS with with the bullpen they have. I just can't. I just can't understand how that could possibly happen. But uh, but I think given what they've been through, if they would make it for the first time to the league championship series, I think a lot of people would feel a sense of accomplishment. Yeah, I mean, this really has been an unbelievable season. <laughs> I, I mean, mean it's, no they, one's ever done this before. I mean, the, the it, it's remember, the discussion about 90 games was ridiculous. They yeah. won 93. Yeah. You I know, thought they would match last year's record. When they were down and out, I thought, well, They'll be lucky if they get to 82 wins. Right. They, they, if they get over 500, they would have done something. They've, they've just – I mean, and, and one of the things I wrote about uh, Sunday for Monday in, in the Washington Times – you read my stuff, Washington Times. I do. I read it all the time. Yeah, I know. Click on sports. Uh, was that <laughs> – I in think a way, I read your columns more than you listen to my radio show. Oh, yeah. Well, because one takes three hours and one takes five minutes. Well, I'm not asking you to listen to all three <laughs> so, hours. So. So I wrote that this actually this roster, as opposed to other rosters. By the way, your columns take about thirty seconds to read. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this roster may have been built for this kind of season. Mm-hmm. In other words, the guys that you have on this team were probably much better suited to have the comeback season than the ones that they had in all four of their NL East champ uh, NL East title seasons. Those those were. No, I, I'm not using this in a derogatory term, but they were front runner teams. Yeah, I mean they 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 started out running from the front, and they were good at that because they were clearly the most talented. But when adversity would come in, when they would be pressed to come from behind, they tended to fold. Right. This is the opposite. This is a team that has done the exact opposite of that, and I'm convinced it's because of guys they brought in like Suzuki and Gomes 
and, and uh, the other guys that Rizzo brought in, the youngsters like like uh, Juan Soto and Victor Robles. I, uh, this is not a knock on Bryce Harper, okay? I, I don't mean it to be a knock on Bryce Harper, and I understand this. But Bri- Bryce Harper became exhausting as a teammate. Not a bad teammate, but just I think for Bryce Harper, there's, so, there's, there's a burden that comes with playing the game that guys like Juan Soto and Victor Robles don't have. Yeah. They come to the ballpark and they're 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 dancing the minute they walk in. And I, I don't want to I don't want to make a big deal out of that. But I think Bryce Harper, through no fault of his own, because of his stature, because of the attention he's got since he was 16 years old, there's a bit of a burden for him when it comes to playing baseball. And you could feel that in the clubhouse sometimes. You never felt that this year. Hmm. You just felt a, a much lighter atmosphere. It's not a criticism of Bryce Harper. It's just the way things are. Um, the, the in ba- Back to talking about the regular season, this sport's so unique that th- because the regular season is so long that there's real accomplishment in this regular season, no matter ha- what happens tonight. I, I know it's going to be very disappointing if they lose tonight. And I think that there is this sense of what you said. This is a team that, by the way, in their first four playoff appearances, didn't play the last three weeks or month of the season with any right. sense of urgency. Right. You know, they've had this sense of urgency, this having to win, and, you know, not in the final weekend after they had wrapped it up, but um, maybe that bodes well for this postseason. And maybe they're built better for this. But, you know, after 19 and 31, to win 93 games and to have tonight is an accomplishment. Whereas in basketball and hockey and, and football, you know, it's all about the postseason pretty much. Yeah. So much more so. And maybe it's just the length of the schedule. And then, and by the way, 162 games is much more of a true reflection yes, it of the kind of team you had versus how you fared in a best of five. Yeah. I always you know? point to the first year the Nats were in town. Remember they went fifty and thirty one at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And everyone and then everyone thought they collapsed in the second half, and they finished eighty one and eighty one. Yeah, that's who they were. Yeah, they were an eighty one and eighty one team. In a way, the schedule corrected itself. <laughs> they they were not a fifty and thirty one team. Yeah. Um, you know, for me tonight, I'm into this. Like I'm into this team. And it's nice for for people that have been Redskin fans here in recent years. And you know, I'm not a big hockey guy. I know. And I really, the truth of the matter is, I, it it doesn't matter to me if the Caps win or lose. I'm not invested. I'm not a hockey guy. I'm not invested in the Caps emotionally or or, or otherwise. I am in the Wizards, as you know, and I am in Maryland sports. But for the pro teams, like I would love to to have the next three to four weeks of. You know, every night or every couple of nights having a, a huge postseason baseball it game. It would be great to have an, a, a, a championship, a, a league championship series here in town. Oh, it would be great. Or a World Series. A World Series, obviously, but, but would be phenomenal. But I'd settle for a league championship series. The drama series. of postseason baseball is similar for me to the overtime in the NHL playoffs or in an NFL playoff game, the suddenness of it. It's so in, in, in baseball, it's the buildup, the between pitches, you know, in a key inning, late eighth, you know, late ninth inning, and you, you know, in a, in a one run game. It is, it's great theater. 
but you know, a postseason baseball. I've always loved it. The Nats have been involved in their brief history here in Washington in four dramatic playoff series, yes. all of which have ended in crushing fashion, oh, which absolutely. sort of helps build, you know, the the character of the fan base, <laughs> the thick skin of a fan base. And you know, I'd love to see them break through finally. It would make you know that big lead, that five nothing lead against St. Louis in Game Five that they blew, you know, is sort of satisfying. The the series against the Giants didn't come down to a fifth in deciding game, but you had the 18-inning game two, which was an epic. Yes. You know, obviously, the game, the fifth in deciding game here against the Dodgers and the Cubs, especially after Strasburg, had yeah. won game four, and there was a really good feeling about game five coming in. Um, you know the most bizarre thing about that Cubs series? I know people are going to disagree with this. That Joe Madden, who... who who managed his bullpen far worse than Dusty Baker did in that series. Joe Madden used Wade uh, Wade Davis yeah. for a seven-out save after he had used him repeatedly right. throughout the series. That is unbelievable how he got away with that. That, to me, is one that the Nats were not able to get to Wade Davis to take over that lead. A seven-out uh, a, a save for a guy who was already tired when he took the ball. Yeah, Gio had a rough start, if you recall, in that yeah. one. And then Scherzer came in and gave up a lot. And it was another one of those fifth and deciding games where they had a big lead. You know, yeah. early they had gotten a bunch of runs early. I think the lead was three to one or four to one in that fifth and deciding game. And that was that they was they didn't come through. I, I know that uh, that there was a lot of sentiment in the Nats front office that uh, Dusty made a mistake in starting right. Gio and not Tanner Roark, who they felt would have been more competitive in, in that situation. Well, and But with, again, the, the Dave Martinez is deciding unless something has changed, and I don't think it has. You know, the, uh, it was a collective decision to decide uh who uh who's on the roster for post for for tonight's game. But the guy who starts the game, that's Dave Martinez's decision. Yeah. Um, more so than a than a than a consensus with Rizzo and anybody else. Yeah, yeah. That's... Mike lets his managers manage. Okay, this is not the Houston Astros for better or worse. Um, I hope more than anything, what we don't get tonight is Max going six strong in a one nothing lead and then getting yanked in the seventh, like we did against the Dodgers. And I, I here's the thing that you told me at the time. I'm pretty sure. And I know that Max Scherzer's never had a problem with it. That he maybe maybe he felt he was done. Remember that night? Oh yeah. You know, and and he felt he was done in that spot. But he had you know like a two hit shutout going through six, and they yanked him in the next inning. It fell apart, and there went Game Five. I hope tonight if he's got one of those gems rolling through the sixth. I hope he powers through it and we see him until he actually... I know that everybody says you pull him before he gets into trouble. Well, last time when you pulled him before you got into trouble, you got into trouble. Right, but we... Again, Immediately. We, we don't know the conversation that took place in the dugout before. And Max Max handed Dusty the ball. I know, and he... Ne- right, he never he never said anything no. that, that he was upset about getting yanked in that particular spot. And I forget what the pitch count was exactly, but... Um, that was uh, that was a, a rough night. Uh, I mean, they've lost three painful game fives in which they've led all three of them at home. Now, all that said, nobody knows anything 
about what's going to happen tonight. Yeah. Nobody it's, has a clue it's it's about anything. anything. Right. In other words, like, the worst team, the Miami. They can play the Marlins the Mar- tonight and you lose. wouldn't know. Yeah. And you wouldn't know what was going to happen. Yes. A hundred percent. So, right. I mean, everyone needs to remember that. Right. It may not make you feel better after the game if they lose, but nobody really has a clue <laughs> no. what's going to happen tonight. They're a big favorite tonight. I, they are, I heard Aaron, that. they're like minus 190. I've seen minus mm-hmm. 200. Um, it's all about Scherzer. Yeah. I mean, totally about him. And about the situation that the the Brewers are going to throw. They're going to throw this guy, Woodruff, whose last two starts were two inning starts after two months on the on the injured list. But he's and good. I know, but he's good. Their, their plan here, Council's plan tonight, is to get him through the Nats lineup maybe once or twice. I'd say once. You know, three innings tops, and then yeah. they're going to come in with relief, relief the rest of the way. One after the other. What you got to hope is you want to you want to be up – before Josh Hader gets in the game. Yeah. That's where you want to be up. All right. Um so you like him to win tonight but lose to the Dodgers. No, I I I, I don't like him to lose to the Dodgers. I think they can get by in an LCS. Okay. I, I mean in, in a in a division. But the series. bullpen's gonna catch up with him in a best of seven. Yeah, got I think it. it would. Uh I like him tonight and I don't like him against the Dodgers. I think Ultimately, they've got great starting pitching, and there's something about them and the Astros and a rematch. And the Astros are dominant yes, right are. now, and they they they're, are they're a pit, they're, 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 they're a prohibitive favorite. Their starting pitching You're ridiculous is, is is better than what Washington has, and that's hard to say. Indeed. Um, all right. Uh, real quickly, I do want to get to one other thing that Jay Gruden did on Sunday. Um, but real, but if you're listening to us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, just rate us and write a re- quick review. But rate us by giving us hopefully a lot of stars and subscribe. That helps us as well with our advertisers. Two more things I want to get to real quickly, Tommy, before we end the show. Number one, the look-ahead line for the Dolphins-Redskins game next week is pick them. Uh, doesn't mean it's going to be pick them. Um, but that's the look headline. That, that's just one book, to be fair. It's one book. O- o- other I, books have it closer to between three and seven. Uh, well, I've actually seen between one and three. I've not seen any any look ahead at seven. I, I saw uh, Caesars apparently plans on six. Right okay. Now. Well, we'll see. I mean, in these look ahead lines are not always you know accurate because in this sport there are so many injuries and and the results that change the thinking. But the bottom line in any of this, whether it's, you know, pick them to three, the Redskins right now are viewed with the Dolphins and probably the Cardinals as the the three worst teams in the NFL. And by the way, Miami's actually played better um, in the last two weeks and seemed to care a little bit more. Um, The last thing I wanted to to end with, it's not a full-blown coaching blunder segment. There were a couple this week. Uh, Maybe we can do them tomorrow, Aaron, a full-blown coaching blunders uh, segment, segment tomorrow. Remind me of that, if you don't mind. Um... So Sunday, there was this issue at the end of the first half. He put Dwayne Haskins into the game, and the one drive that they had for Haskins, there was that 14-yard scramble run that got him to a first-and-goal situation at the Giants' one-yard line. They tried to throw to Sprinkle. That was incomplete. They ran Peterson, and after the Peterson play got stopped, um, they, um, they Pat Shermer called timeout. Because he wanted the Giants to get the ball back after the Redskins' drive ended with either a field goal or a touchdown, which, by the way, was really smart. Jay probably was surprised by that because he doesn't usually call timeouts on defense to get the ball back at the end of halves. It's not something he's figured out how to do um, very (laughs) consistently. But what happened then was that 
Jay Gruden called Dwayne Haskins over to the sideline. And they started to, you know, have a long conversation. Dwayne took his helmet off, was drinking some water, and they're talking about what they're going to run on third and goal. And and meantime, the shot clock, the, the, Jay calls it the shot clock. I almost, I, I almost just called it that as well. It's the play clock. Started to roll. Um, and it started to roll because when Shermer called the timeout, it was a 30-second timeout, which, by the way, in the NFL, if you watch NFL games, you know the rhythm of watching an NFL game. Typically, late in a half, late in a game, the timeouts that are called are 30-second timeouts. They're not full-blown television commercial timeouts. And the reason for that is there are nine timeouts per half You know that, that happen in an NFL national tele, you know, TV game. Um, two of them are locked in, all right? End of the first quarter and the two-minute warning of the first half. And then in the second half, end of the third quarter and the two-minute warning. Those are locked in two-minute television commercial breaks. And then in each half, they have to work in another seven. And those usually happen after a score or after a punt or if a team calls a timeout earlier in the half. And those go to television commercials and you're watching a commercial. But typically, once those are used up, they're all 30-second. Usually, those 30 seconds happen late in the half. Well, Jay was asked about this yesterday because the situation made Dwayne maybe look bad a little bit. Like they had Because what happened was when he went back out on the field, there were five seconds left when they were breaking the huddle. And they had to burn a timeout right after the Giants had called a timeout. And so people were like, well, you know, there's the rookie quarterback. This was Jay's explanation of what happened. That that wasn't on Dwayne. That was on me. Uh, the, the referee never told me when the dang ball was. I mean, they're they're going to tell me if it's a TV timeout or when the ball's being winded up. He forgot to tell me. So we're, I'm just talking to Dwayne over there, and hey, we're going to run this, this, and next thing you know, it's down to ten. I'm like, you know, nobody told me. So that's that's my fault. You know, I got to be more in tune. But every other time we have a timeout, somebody tells me, hey, we're winding it now. You know what I mean? I get them out there, but nobody told me on that one. That was the guy actually apologized to me on that one. So, it was your fault, Jay. Um, and really, Tommy, in these situations, I don't know that an official actually had to apologize when, to Jay. When are they going to hire you? Well, when are they going to hire the, you to, as 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 a, okay. a time management so uh, coach? This is one of those things that bothers me because Jay's right; it was his fault. But Jay's wrong in that he didn't really need a referee to tell him this. You know, if these things are important to you, if you have a sense of the rhythm of a game when it comes to the clock and timeouts and things like this, you you know when you get into that late part of the half that it, there's a possibility we've used up all of our TV commercials and this one's going to be 30 seconds. Like, there have been many situations where there's been a timeout. Hey, coach, that's a 30-second timeout. You don't need to be told. He should be saying to the referee, is that 30-second or a full two-minute? Immediately, when when Shermer calls it. Are we in 30 se- Because if he's in 30 seconds, Dwayne Haskins never leaves the huddle. No. He's talking to him in the headset. And he's staying in the huddle, and they're calling, they're figuring it out there. They're over there yucking it up on the sideline, and he puts him back in, and you see the play clock when they break the huddles at five seconds. And I'm like, and, and by the way, in the moment, I was like, I think that what's he doing on the sideline? We didn't go to a TV commercial. This is a 30 second timeout. Does he know this? They're going to end up having to call a timeout. And by the way, you could use those things at the end of half or the end of a game. You know, he could have used it on defense, but they couldn't stop the Giants, of course. But that is just, these are the little things, you know, the attention to detail things in good organizations that are well run, that are well coached, 
that do you know add up to the difference between maybe a game or two over the course of a season, which could be you know in their case the last couple of years nine and seven instead of seven and nine. You know, I just it drives me nuts. Like, how as a head football coach in the NFL, as many games, this is year six for him, all right, in Washington. How don't how doesn't just the the general rhythm of the game and the time of the game, two two minutes and ten seconds left in the first half, give you some sort of pause of or thought of is this a thirty second timeout immediately when Shermer calls it? You have to be told that. No, you should be saying. 30 or full, and they'll yell to you, Coach, 30. Good. Dwayne, stay there. This is what we're going to run on third down. That stuff bothers me. But you're right. Those are the little things. The big thing is (laughs) don't be a fan later. later. By the way, we did not address one thing, and I'm glad uh, we we still have a minute left here to do this. What did you make of the report about from Barry Zverluga about the offer to Rendon for – 200 to 215 million dollars over seven years well i'm based on what i read uh i i think it's a decent offer uh i think that it's something that will not insult anthony rendon or boris who i think are still going to go to free agency because they didn't bet on him this year just to turn around and sign with the nats uh i think it's good they're going to wind up paying rendon if they keep him a lot more than they would have paid him if they had signed him at the beginning of the year, but it's not a bad offer. It, it, it I don't. Th- I, you know, people forget uh, the mar- free agent market last year was a disaster. I mean, Shadow got his money. Harper had to wait till March until uh, uh, Boris was able to convince the, the Phillies owner to finally spend to get his money, and nobody else got got the money. Anthony Rendon, as much as we may like him, is not a move the needle player. Right. Okay. He people aren't paying <laughs> to show up to watch. Anthony Rendon. People play. are going to be upset if he's not resigned. Oh, I, I grant you that. But what I'm saying is, I don't think there's going to be a huge market for much more than that for Anthony Rendon. All Boris needs is one owner to 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 gin up, and it could yeah. be the guy in Texas. The Rangers are moving into a new ballpark last year. They need a third baseman. I don't see them paying 250 million dollars for Anthony Rendon. So I mean. It's, it's discouraging that he's going to go to free agency because anything can happen in free agency. But uh, I don't think this is a bad offer. Hopefully on Thursday you'll be calling in from Los Angeles. Let's hope that that is the yes. case. Um, thank you for the day. Uh, you were pleasant today. And um, it was good to be with you again. <laughs> good job by Aaron. Uh, back tomorrow. I think Cooley will probably be a guest on the show tomorrow. Still trying to nail that down, but... It's a pretty good bet that he'll be on with me tomorrow. Uh, Enjoy the day.